Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark again on the intro, which again means RJ is missing us for another recording. And I am joined by the one and the only guest currently. Who knows about the future because we barely know about today or tomorrow. So, Jackson. <laughs> the, the one and only guest. I don't know. We'll see if that rings true or not. But uh, for now, I appreciate you guys having me. Hopefully just doing a good enough job filling in that uh, you guys can feel like you can go take a vacation every once in a while and the whole podcast won't blow up. Yeah, unless you go under 500. And if that's the case, we might have to cut ties, which... Hey, that will mean we will be looking for a new guest. So if you guys have uh, any interest in maybe one day being on the podcast, even though it's a terrible, terrible podcast, but it still has some good information. There's still some good information in there. You should probably follow us on Twitter at one nerd one jock college football so follow us on there get some information uh, we may be doing giveaways at some point in time too which if you're not on that followers list you will not be eligible to enter so do that obviously retweet to show some love show some support and maybe we'll show some back to you guys let's go ahead and get to the main important thing that we always like talking about in the best sport on this earth and that's college football why don't we go ahead and get into some more previews. If you missed our review of last week or our early week preview, go ahead and click back to the previous episode that should have been released a couple days ago. Uh, give that one a listen. Shoot us a, a tweet on how we did or if you have any feedback. We'd love that. But let's go ahead and get into this new window. We've got some good games. It seems like the schedulers did their job early on, maybe took a week off. There's some bigger spreads. We tried to stay away from some of them. We may not have the, the top-ranked teams because some of their spreads are plus 30. I mean, it's just it's a mess out here. So bear with us. We are going to talk about a couple teams that we've already talked about. But nonetheless, it should still be good information, uh, especially for those who want to follow along a little bit closer to each game. Why don't we go ahead and start with game one in that nude window, which is going to be where college game day is. Kansas. We got TCU visiting Kansas. Going to be the home site for college game day. Should be should be a big deal. I think this is the first time that Kansas has been ranked maybe in program history, if not program history, a long, 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 long time. So that's exciting for Kansas. And honestly, I think they might have a chance in this game. Yeah, college game day going to Lawrence. I did not know that. So that's that's a good piece of information right off the right off the bat here. Uh, once again, as you talked about, you know, if you go back to the the prior episode, these two teams, number 17, TCU, seven point favorite going to number 19, Kansas. TCU is a 68% favorite to win, according to FBI. On paper, once again, these teams look pretty similar. One of the biggest edges that I can come up with is Kansas has had seven fumbles and of those seven, they've lost four of them. One interception compared to TCU has had two fumbles and they've lost one of them and zero interceptions thus far. So because of that, I am looking at TCU. I'm not exactly happy happy about minus seven. If I'm forced into it, that's what I'll do. Uh, uh, keep checking back throughout the week, uh, right up until kickoff to see if I can get a little bit better than that. But I am happy about the under. Uh, 67.5 feels like a pretty big number for both of these teams. I know they both can score, but uh, I just think that uh, they'll, they'll hit the under on that. Mark, you got any analysis on this one? Yeah, I think the big number is just stemming off of TCU's big last week against Oklahoma. I'm not sure TCU will be able to replicate that again, especially because if you look at Kansas last week, 
they found a way to win with their defense. Their offense didn't play very well, and they found a way to sneak out a game against Iowa State using a lot of their defense, which was impressive. And I, and I liked seeing that from Kansas, uh, which is good that they leaned on their defense instead of their offense. Uh, also, apologies to Max Dugan. Again, not necessarily a game manager, maybe a little bit of a step above. But you know what? If you're going to listen to this podcast, I'll call you a game manager all day long if you're going to go out and produce. Uh, can he go back-to-back, though? Or really, it'd be back-to-back-to-back because he already has two games now with three touchdowns, which is impressive. And he threw for over 300 yards against OU. So maybe maybe Max Dugan will tip the scales a little bit towards uh, TCU. Yeah, you never know. Clearly, he's listening to this podcast, though. And if uh, if only you could get uh, Keaton Slovis and Slovodan Milosevic to, to listen into this podcast, then uh, you might have a little bit more uh, luck out in Pittsburgh, too. Yeah, maybe we can get them next week. But for right now, I think, man, I really kind of want to go with the darlings of college football, though. Even though everything is telling me that I should go with TCU, I kind of want to stick it to Max Dugan. Just go Kansas. Go with the darlings. Are you going TCU? <laughs> I am going to go TCU. I feel like you and I are actually very, uh, having a lot of differences. Yep, I'll pull the trigger. Let's go Kansas. Let's Let's go college game day. Feed off the environment. Let's go, Jalen Daniels. Be electric. The thing that makes me a little bit concerned is just Jalen Daniels just hasn't been consistent. I think at times he showed flashes of being a stud quarterback. Can also run the ball, a dual threat guy. I think I'm going to ride the environment. I'm going Kansas. Are you worried at all about App State type scenario where they had college game day for the first time? We might be looking at a similar scenario here with Kansas. No, Kansas is just built differently. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going that Kansas is built differently. They are. They're going to feel. They're going to feel the environment. Jalen Daniels is going to show up. He's going to be the electric factory. He's shown he can be in a couple other games. Max Dugan's going to show that he's the game manager that he's supposed to be. Kansas gets the win, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready to talk about our other noon game, which, at least on paper, up until last week and maybe even a couple weeks ago, should have been a really good game. Now we'll see exactly how this goes. And of course, I'm talking about the Red River Red River rivalry and Texas at Oklahoma. Can you say that three times fast, please? Yeah, that one is a tongue twister. But Texas is currently a seven-point favorite and 68% chance to win, according to FPI. I think Hudson Card has stepped in and done a very good job of handling things while Ewers is dealing with a little bit of a, a shoulder issue. Ewers has targeted this game to come back which I believe I was actually on that podcast, and I was one of the first ones to break that news. I'll take credit for that one. But uh, he said he wants to come back versus Oklahoma, uh, but obviously in this last weekend's game, Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Uh, We'll see how he progresses throughout the week and whether or not he's going to actually make it back or not for Oklahoma. Well, actually, I'll, I'll ask the football player. Do you think that there's any, I guess, thought for Ewers of if Gabriel's back, I need to be back? Or on vice versa, if Gabriel might sit this one out, maybe I can take another week off and just make sure that I'm truly healthy before I come back, especially since Card's been playing well. Not really. I I mean, I think the players looking at their own independent timeline, uh, they're not really going to look across the sidelines and see what that team's doing, what that guy's feeling or anything like that. 
I'm sure he has his timeline in mind. He may have this game circled, but I'm sure he has goals along the way to make sure that everything is stable. Same thing with the medical staff. I'm sure they're making sure that he's meeting said goals as well. As long as those goals are met and he's able to come back, I think he's going to come back, regardless of what's going on with uh, Gabriel. I don't think, I mean, that may hype him up a little bit more or less, but I don't think that's going to ultimately feed into much of the decision on his end or obviously on the medical staff's uh, side either. I think that they all have their own timeline and it's independent of anything else other than their goals and their check marks to make sure uh, the shoulder is stable and he's ready to play at the at the level he needs to. Gotcha. That's probably that's pretty good analysis right there. Either way, I still think that, uh, you know, we'll see regardless of Gabriel and Ewers or Card. Um, I feel confident in Texas with either Card or Ewers, especially if Gabriel doesn't play. You know, Texas being a seven-point favorite is a steal if Gabriel doesn't play. If he does, I think that's probably about spot on. Uh, so maybe Vegas knows something that we don't. But also uh, the 65 over under. I just I just see this being a lower scoring game. Uh, that's probably pretty close. But uh, I think that I would take both Texas and the under. What about you, Mark? Ooh, interesting. Well, you know how I feel about unders. It uh, makes my skin crawl to take it, unless it's Iowa. So I will definitely stay away from that. If anything, I will take the over. But I think I'm going to stay away from that as well. There's just too many question marks. You don't know if Gabriel is going to play. You don't know if Ewers is going to play. Is Card good enough to still produce the same level that he has shown that he could in a couple games or a couple instances? I'm not sure he's consistent enough. So I'll probably definitely stay away from the over-under on this one for sure. And outcome-wise, I, I, I'm going to take Texas. I'm going to lean on Sarkeesian. I think he's the better coach. I think they're the better program right now, especially if you look at Oklahoma. They're coming off of two losses, kind of embarrassing losses as well. Kansas State wasn't a good game. Adrian Martinez ran all over them. And then you follow that up with one of the worst losses in program history. Uh, against TCU so I, I don't know Oklahoma I think is in a bad spot I think they desperately need a bounce back I just don't think Texas's defense is going to let them have that bounce back especially too if you add in the Gabriel even if he does play he's going to be coming back on short notice or low practice reps so any kind of a new game plan that they would be installing for Texas it's almost all going to be mental reps and mental reps are good, but they just don't truly simulate what you're going to see in full speed with people coming after you. So ultimately, I'm going to lean on the, the program that's a little bit more stable at this point. And I think that's Texas. You tell me practice. We're talking about practice, Mark. <laughs> well, uh, the other noon game <clears throat> that I had circled here is number eight, Tennessee, traveling to number 25, LSU. Tennessee is a two and a half point favorite. However, LSU is a 58% chance to win, according to FPI. Man, my, my quick and dirty analysis on this one is just that LSU defense has seemed impressive. They do have me worried because now that Arkansas is pretty much dead, I am pretty high on Tennessee. And they, they've definitely been my favorite team to watch in, in recent weeks. However, Tennessee's struggling going uh, actually at home to a Florida team, especially a Florida team that I'm extremely down on. That paired with having to go to LSU and face a stout LSU defense, and I might not like the guy, but I will give him respect, Brian Kelly. That LSU team is going to be a hard, 
hard battle. So unfortunately, this might not go my way. LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels has almost the exact same stats as Hooker. And actually, he's got better stats than Tennessee's running back right. So Jaden uh, Daniels is clearly carrying that uh, LSU offense. Uh, Brian Kelly's got that defense humming. So unfortunately, I think these volunteers might be in trouble. But uh, maybe you have a little bit different take on this game. Yeah, I actually do. So this is going to be it's going to be interesting week. So I th- I do think this is going to be a close game. This is definitely one that I have circled. I think it's going to be two good programs, two good football teams, and it should be a a, good, a great football game. I'm just LSU kind of raised too many questions for me to be all in on them anymore. With the game against Auburn, Auburn's kind of looked like a mess, and for that game to go back and forth, Auburn being in control, LSU does find a way to win. I don't know, it just makes me uneasy riding so high on LSU like I have been. And again, I'm a Pac-12 guy, so Jaden Daniels transferring from Arizona State. I'm a little bit biased towards him. But unfortunately, when I was watching that game, I just kept thinking to myself, man, like, I don't know why I'm so high on this guy. He was struggling. He was struggling the whole entire game. And again, I think they asked too much of him. You brought up the fact that he's leading rusher or he's in the conversation or close to leading rusher there. And obviously leading passer being a quarterback, I just think they're asking way too much for him. Like where like UCLA, when we look at them, we, we said, you know, hey, you have to pee. You have to DTR has to put the team on his back. Like, and Jaden Daniels is going to have to put LSU on his back if they're going to win, especially against a Tennessee team that can score seems to be almost whenever they want. I mean, nearly 560 yards per game, nearly 50 points per game offensively. Yeah, their defense isn't as good necessarily with LSU's defense about under 15 points a game. But then you also start looking at some quality opponents. I think Tennessee's played some stronger opponents. May explain why that defense is just a a couple touches above uh, points per game-wise than LSU. I mean, ultimately, too, when I just start looking at the quarterbacks, although I I do like Jaden Daniels, I just think they're asking him to do way too much. And I think Superman's cape isn't going to be on in this game. And I think Hidden Hooker gets the nod. I'm going Tennessee. All right. And you definitely have that right. Tennessee started off their season with arguably one of their hardest matchups. They played my Ball State Cardinals, took them to a 59 to 10 win. So uh, chirp, chirp, Ball State right there. But yeah, uh, I hope, uh, I don't know, maybe I was a little bit cloaked on that. I still am going Tennessee here. Um, I'm scared, <laughs> but I am going Tennessee. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up. I wasn't quite sure. It sounded like you were almost going to go LSU. Regardless, though, I'm probably going to take the over. Um, even even it being a big number, I'm predicting this game as a shootout, uh, mostly because Tennessee's defense just isn't that great. I think Jaden Daniels gets enough done to put points on the board. I think Tennessee's just going to put more points on. So that's where I think this game's going. So if I had to pick an over that I feel pretty confident about so far through this this week's slate, that's probably going to be going to be it and you probably see that one tweeted out as one of our official one jock one nerd picks i definitely will be on the lookout for that because i look out for your guys's tweets every saturday and especially this last weekend uh, i think you were one of the first ones i saw to put out that old miss helmet i think it looks sweet yeah those helmets were clean i'm also pretty sure that we went uh three for three in our picks we normally put out three picks we normally do a dog an over under in a uh spread so i'm yeah. Moving on, I think the 330 window on Fox, 
this one I have circled as potentially one of my favorite games to watch this week. Number 11, Utah, going to number 18, UCLA. Utah is a four and a half point favorite with a 64 over under. Utah also with a 69, nice percent chance to win. So the little bit of analysis I did on this game, UCLA has only played one game away, and that was two Colorado. So in my opinion so far, I know that they've played Washington, but just too easy of a schedule. Uh, I, I just can't give them a whole lot of credit yet. Winner of this game definitely tells me something, I and mean, it should be a really good game. You know, Hopefully this is kind of the resurgence of the Pac-12, but should be a barn burner of a game in Utah and UCLA. Either way, I'm either ready to get hurt again by Utah since they let me down in week one, or I'm ready to get hurt again being an Oregon fan by Chip Kelly. So either way, I'm ready to get hurt again. I like it. I like it. I definitely think you hit the nail on the head, too. It's going to tell you something about the Pac-12. And realistically, if UCLA finds a way to win it, they put themselves in that contender conversation, which would definitely be interesting with an upcoming game against Oregon. You get the Chip Kelly matchup. Definitely would create some headlines. So it's definitely interesting. I think this is going to be one of the better quarterback matchups this week. Their stats are pretty similar when you look at the yards, interceptions, and all that stuff. DTR is just two touchdowns behind Cam. He might have made those up in the rushing, though. To be honest, DTR is, is a little bit more dual threat than, than Cam Rising is. They're both great athletes, but DTR is a little bit more dual threat, I think, than Cam Rising is. So he gets a little bit of a nod there. Slight edge to, to UCLA, points per game, around 50. So that's a that's a slight edge there. Utah is better on the defensive side, so it'll be interesting, especially when UCLA is struggling against the pass game. I'll be, I'll be interested once again to tune into this. I just think this is going to be a really fun game, you know, especially that, that traditional Pac-12. Uh, it's going to be a really high-scoring game, especially as indicative of the 64 over-under. But it, it should just, regardless, it should tell us a lot, you know. One of these teams is definitely catapulting themselves to the top of the Pac-12 and and true contender. And the other one's obviously taking a little bit of a step back. But, you know, somebody's got to be up there to compete with Oregon. So it might as well be one of these two. Yeah, so my official pick, even though I'm high on UCLA, and I would like to see DTR put his cape on again, put the team on his back, find a way to win, I wouldn't be upset about it either. I would like it, but I, I got Utah. I think Utah finds a way to get it done, lo and behold. And I also really like the over in this one. I know it's going to be a big number. I think it opened up around 64. I wouldn't be surprised if it's starting to move. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up closer to like 68 by the time it's all said and done. Just because I see another replay of kind of that Washington-UCLA game. I think both teams are going to score and try to keep up with each other. Yeah, and I think I'm, I'm right there with you. I will take Utah. I just, I, once again, I just, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in them. Maybe this is their chance to show that week one versus Florida, having to go to the swamp all the way across the country, a hard schedule. To have this one a lot closer, have to go down to UCLA. I just think that uh, Utah is going to be able to pull this one away. And and I, too, I think I like the over. So uh, I'm, I'm right there on board with you. So despite us having a little bit of differences, uh, I think we can agree on this one. I like it. Let's move on to the next game that uh, we'll probably agree on because it's not much of a, a game, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to be much of a game. And that is Ohio State versus Michigan State. Yeah, man, 25 and a half. My God. <laughs> and honestly, it could be more. This Ohio State team is rolling. Unfortunately, this Michigan State team is going almost the exact opposite way. About the only good news for the schedulers and for some of these uh, broadcasts is 
this game is on ABC. And the earlier game, Texas at Oklahoma, is also on ABC. So it's a good thing that ABC had that Red River rivalry because this game should be over with by halftime. I hope that they had all their really good commercials booked in the first half because the only thing that Michigan State has going for them is that this game is at home. Nothing that Peyton Thorne, Jalen Berger, anybody on that Michigan State team has shown so far indicates that this will be even close. Michigan State got to beat up on MAC schools like Western Michigan and Akron. It'll be nice to see the Ohio State go put a beat down in East Lansing. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. I just think Ohio State's way, 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 way too much for Michigan State. Maybe in some past years they can make a game out of this, but I just don't see it at all. I mean, Ohio State putting up nearly 50 points per game, 530 yards per game. That offense is through the roof. And then you look at the the opposing defense. Sparty D is just like Swiss cheese through the air, 275 yards per game. And like you said, I mean, they haven't really played the highest competition either. So you're going to put a Heisman caliber quarterback there? Yikes. I think this one gets away from them early. I think it's going to be done by halftime. I'm with you. I mean, I hate, hate, hate laying big spreads. And I am so tempted to lay the 25 and a half here. I mean, I'm with you. I think this Ohio State team is probably the best Ohio State team that we've seen in a long time all the way around, not just in the quarterback position. So I think it'll be a fun game to watch it from that perspective. I'd have a backup game ready for halftime, though. So when this one gets out of hand, feel free to to switch on over to that other station. (laughs) Well, I'm interested to hear about your next game that you got. I kind of like Texas Tech. I think they're fun to watch, and they have a game coming up against Oklahoma State, who I think is also another team that's fun to watch. Uh, I don't necessarily think this is going to be a huge challenge either. But again, I think with Texas Tech having that air raid offense, they could easily find themselves putting up a decent amount of points and making OK State earn this. And anytime I can watch two modified air raids, air raid-ish offenses go at each other, I like it. I like offensive football. So I think this is one where defense might be uh, optional, especially when you're considering Texas Tech is giving up about 205 yards per game through the air. So I think that's a, a little bit interesting as well. And then, obviously, Donovan Smith, seven INTs, 126th in college football. Can he take care of the ball? Yeah, and really, I think K-State kind of set the blueprint. And and OK State has uh, at least as good, maybe even better defense, certainly a better team to basically go out and do the exact same thing that K-State did, make Donovan Smith basically beat you. He has to do that. He's going to start throwing interceptions. That's what he loves to do. Yeah, I think uh, ultimately, even without all of that, uh, Sanders is better with the football. OK State defense is better about controlling Smith. This one should and could get ugly. Uh, OK State's a nine and a half point favorite, but a 77% chance to win. But I'm, I'm definitely interested to watch OK State team. I uh, haven't got to see a whole lot of them this year, but at number seven in the country and, and almost a 10 point spread versus a Texas Tech team that could become very one dimensional and you know, this, this game should be a lot of fun and could be a lot more fun than watching Ohio State just run up the score on Michigan. Yeah, OK State definitely embarrassed Baylor a little bit. I felt like they controlled that game the whole way through. So I think they're going to do kind of the same thing here. I do like the over in this as well, because, again, if you start thinking OK State's going to control the game, you think that they're going to find a way to even maybe make this ugly, which is kind of the game that we're predicting. Texas Tech is probably going to at least put up 21. So, I mean, again, if you start looking at how many points they're going to put up, if they're going to put up that 21 to 30 range and OK State can make it ugly, 
that's going to be a lot of points. So as that uh, over maybe climbs, start thinking about it. But I have it at 64, and I like it at 64. Oh, wow. You got you got this in a little bit earlier than me. I got it all the way up to 67 and a half already. Yeah, so makes sense. It's already climbing. So it opened up at 64, already climbing up quite a bit. Yeah, you think you're going to get it up to 70? You said 67 and a half? Yeah, I'll, I, I'm probably going to jump on this relatively early. I'll probably get it at 67 and a half. Again, only because I'm thinking Texas Tech finds a way to get to that 21 to that 30 spot. And then at that point, if OK State wins, they have to at least be at 30, 40, somewhere in there. So I, I like that. Yeah, well, and the one thing that's true about Donovan Smith is clearly, you know, with 214 attempts already, he is not scared to throw the ball. And it might not always be to his own teammates, but that could go in your favor, too. If they're trying to come mount a comeback, throw a pick six in the final, you know, 22 minutes or something, uh, that could easily put you over the over as well. Yeah, I think it's a perfect storm. Yeah. We've got Donovan Smith. I mean, he is 15th in the nation in yards. So, I mean, he, he can sling the rock. I'm expecting him to, to score some touchdowns, like you said, too. Oklahoma State gets above. Pick six here or there. I like it. Yeah, ready to make RJ cry. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and get into that primetime slot. Probably one of the premier games of this week. One of the closer spreads and closer games that I could actually see going either way. I will probably pick in the way that makes RJ cry just for fun. But I don't know. We'll see after some, some analysis which way I actually end up going. It's it's in Vegas, uh, number 16 BYU against Notre Dame that is not in the top 25, shocker. Notre Dame is a three-and-a-half-point favorite, as I have them right now, but a 70% chance to win. I do think that that Notre Dame defense has been extremely stout this year, uh, only allowing 24 points per game, and you got to remember that they played Ohio State, kept them to only 21 and we just talked about how high-powered that offense is. Their only problem is they let Marshall score 26, and then they also went to UNC, and UNC scored 32. But I still, I believe in that Notre Dame defense. Should put Hall on notice. Romney, it looks like, should play for BYU, but it does not look like Nakua will, so stay, stay uh, kind of tuned to that. Because obviously if BYU has both Romney and Nakua, then that should change the uh, spread a little bit or, or the outcome of this game. Obviously having your top two wide receivers for Hall would, would, would make a difference for anybody. Uh, game would be certainly a lot more fun if they both got to play. Frankly, I just don't trust Drew Pine. Uh, his, his numbers don't look terrible in the, in the couple games that he's kind of stepped in. He's 44 of 63 with 460 through the air, six touchdowns to one interception. So his numbers aren't terrible, but I've watched a pretty decent amount of Notre Dame football, especially in the last you know decade. I don't know. Their, their quarterback play has just been lackluster in recent years from Cone to Pine to... Uh, just just to everybody. So I'm still hype on BYU, even though I do have to eat my words here, especially when I was so high on BYU versus Oregon a couple weeks ago. I, I'm, I'm still high on BYU. I just don't know or don't trust Notre Dame. This game just scares me so much because I could see it going so differently. I thought you were going to pick, I, I thought you were going to pick both teams both times by now. I mean, I, I, there was like two times I thought you were picking BYU. There's two times I thought you were picking Notre Dame. Holy smokes. I guess, I guess I need to hear your analysis before I make an official pick because I'm just so all over the board. Yeah, I mean, looking at it, 
I want to pick Notre Dame because I do think defense wins championships. But then I also look at the Notre Dame that's played this year, and the defense has has been has been pretty good. But then you also think about some of the games that they're getting credit for the defense being great in, and that's Ohio State Week One. And I just, I mean, any offense in Week One is going to be a little bit pared down. It's going to be a little bit less than what it is now. So I think that might skew it a little bit to Notre Dame's favor. The other thing is Jaron Hall. I mean, he's in the top 20 for yards, touchdowns, and interceptions thrown. So, I mean, he's doing his job at the quarterback position. If he gets some of his weapons back, it's going to be incredible. I mean, that's that offensive prowler, even with the team that they've had on the field, they're, they're scoring around 34 points per game. And I think the biggest question is you have to ask yourself, can Notre Dame find a way if they let up 34, 28 points, can they find a way to score more than that? I mean, if you look at it, they, they've scored under 24 points in three games this year. So that makes me nervous from the offensive perspective for Notre Dame. Can they find enough offense? I mean, obviously their last game, yes. But outside of that game, I mean, can they find enough offense to, to keep up with BYU? And that's where I, I lean more towards BYU. The other the other factor that you didn't mention that makes me want to almost go Notre Dame is coming off a bye. I think if this was smack dab in the middle of the schedule, a couple games sandwiched in between, I would feel actually better for BYU. But the fact that you're giving this coaching staff a little bit more time to put together a game plan, maybe go back to the drawing board and let me save my career, let me save my job as head coach, come up with a whole revamped schedule, that may be a little bit uh, more dangerous for Notre Dame. Yeah, no, that is a huge point. I had that here. I just didn't mention that. But yeah, coming off a bye, Notre Dame still has, in my opinion, the best tight end in the country, Michael Mayer. I mean, I think he's really come on here, especially in the last couple of weeks. Maybe Notre Dame did find something. They did go down to North Carolina and put up 45. Maybe they found something. Maybe it's still just too early in the week. Again, if, if, if Nakua somehow does play, then you got Nakua and Romney for Hall. So being put on the spot, I still cannot come up with one. Here, I'll make it easier on you. I'll give you mine. I am going to, okay, for RJ, for RJ, I originally was going to go Notre Dame. I am now flipping. Let's go Cougs. Oh, I love it. I love it, especially because honestly, man, I just, I just cannot ride with Notre Dame. I'm, I'm gonna be right on board. The Fighting John Smiths, I think, are gonna send Notre Dame praying back home because I just, I just, I just am not a believer in Notre Dame so far. They got to come out and show me something. And if they come out and beat number sixteen BYU in a neutral site, but if they can handle that then I might be ready to jump back on and at least wear some Notre Dame apparel. But for now, I'm, I'm strictly an Oregon man. Even better since, you know, it's it's our episode. Why don't we just make RJ's day and we just make uh, BYU plus three and a half our against the spread official pick. I think RJ would love that. <laughs> I'll take it. Give me the money line too, plus 158 right now. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, probably staying away from the points again because I don't trust Notre Dame. So, yeah. But enough, I guess, about Notre Dame and, and at RJ's expense. Next one I got on here. We kind of touched on this in earlier uh, episode. In prime time, eight o'clock, CBS. We have Texas A&M going to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Alabama is a twenty-four point favorite. The last I checked. 
That gives them a 96% chance to win. Uh, it's past October 1st here in Illinois, so that means it is officially archery season. And dear God, a 96% chance to win with a day-to-day Bryce Young. Young in question might be the only good news for A&M and Jimbo. Mark, I think that you had some really good points last week. You know, Jimbo's job security might come down, how big of a place he had in getting those top recruits. But geez, if, if these guys are the top talent, they've probably never lost three games in their entire lives. I mean, these kids got to come from Texas, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi. I mean, Georgia, all these Southern schools that are just powerhouses. And if they have ever lost three games in their entire career, now they go to college and at least they're getting paid. But then to go to college and they lose three games for the first time in their lives, that cannot be sitting well with some of these recruits. Well, they better get ready. Because unfortunately, I don't care. Bryce Young, no Bryce Young. Dude, Bama's going to roll. Roll tide, roll. I mean, Bryce Young goes out of that game. What do they do? Lean on the run game. Do you know how many yards they had on the ground? 317 yards. Yeah. Running. Yeah. Not not total. Not total. Running. Yeah. I mean, that just blows my mind. I, I think it's going to take some adjustment period, but then again, we're also talking about one of the best coaches to walk this earth. So if you're giving him a week, he's probably going to build a game plan good enough to use a run game with the backup quarterback. Who looked, I mean, he looked all right. I mean, I think, again, he's more dual threat, more Jalen Hurtsy than Bryce Young. Bryce Young's a little bit more throw first. So, obviously, there's that difference. But you give the best coach in college football a week to build a plan around that guy with a run game that can put 317 yards against an SEC defense in Arkansas, who, if I'm not mistaken, was letting up less than 100 yards of ground game or close to per game before that game dude that's that's next level roll tide roll oh man i'm even tempted again on another big spread i mean i just think bam is gonna find a way the only thing that does make me a little bit serve or a little bit nervous is jimbo does have saban's number he's got him before so there is that opportunity obviously he is coaching a little bit for his job so i can see that as well Texas A&M has been way too inconsistent on offense. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes they need the team to beat them or beat themselves, a.k.a. Arkansas. But I just too many inconsistencies. Bama rolls quick. Yeah, the only, the only uh, I guess, additional part I had on all this is, you know, I just started thinking that at least when A&M has had success against Bama in the past, they've had kind of that all-star quarterback, you know, the Johnny Manziel. They had, you know, just an absolute stud. And these guys are way better than I could ever help, hope to be. But Max Johnson and Hayes King, I mean, Haynes King, these guys are not Johnny Manzo. They've, they've, they've had their opportunity to prove it. They are not going to go out there and beat Bama. If, if A&M wins, they need a whole team. They don't just have one guy putting everything on their back, putting on a cape, and putting on a show. I mean, that's, that's the main difference, I think, this year and why I'm right there with you. Bama, Rolls, A&M. Well, let's go ahead and move into a game that might be a little bit closer. Maybe not be. I'm not sure this spread is going to 100% represent what the game will turn into. But that's uh, USC versus Washington State. I have the over-under at 61 and USC 11.5 point favorites. Not sure if the line's moved since I got that. Yeah, I have it at 66 for over under. That that is definitely on the on the run up. 
which is actually, I think, you know, I haven't necessarily paid attention to over-under that much because I'm traditionally not really an over-under better, uh, especially in college. I just think it's way too volatile to, to trust that. But from the last podcast I did to this podcast I did, there's a huge, huge correlation. If you can get a good number early in the week, that's a good number. And if you jump on it, I mean, you can sometimes get your, your number five, six, and sometimes seven points lower than or higher than what it ends up at kickoff. So being able to get some analysis in early in the week and, and jump on, you know, if you like it, obviously hit it. You're either you're either hot or you're due. <laughs> and with that Washington State team, I haven't really paid attention to too much, but it looks like they've made a little bit of a splash. You know, started out the year beating Wisconsin back when they were ranked. Looks like took Oregon all the way to the wire. Got a pretty decent offensive attack. But man, this is a huge hill to climb. Uh, USC, Lincoln Riley, I am huge on this year. I, I'm kind of, you know, Mark made a statement in a past podcast about, you know, he, he's jumping on that that bandwagon. I too am jumping on that USC bandwagon. I loved Lincoln when he was out in uh, Oklahoma. I guess I'm just like one of his recruits. I'm following him to USC because I am a big fan. You know, and, and that's really, I hate to, to take away from Washington State because I think they're good. They're just not in the same tier as USC. I think that uh, Washington State lost at Oregon 44 to 41. And the score of this game could also tell you a lot of where both Oregon's at, where USC's at, how the Pac-12 might uh, shape up. Ward, the quarterback for Washington State, turns the ball over way too much while Williams does not. And the last thing that you need to do is give Williams and Lincoln Riley more opportunities. So I will continue to ride with USC. Yeah, I'm definitely there with you. I think you brought up great points. I think Cam Ward can be good. He's definitely shown that. I think he definitely caught Oregon off guard. I mean, he threw for 375 in that game, but he did have the two interceptions. So that worries me. And again, he threw two in the game uh, this weekend. So when you when you throw that many interceptions, I believe he has seven on the season now, which again puts him into that 126th spot that we've already talked about with a couple other quarterbacks. Not a good spot to be at, especially when you start talking about a game that's going to come down to possessions. If Washington State wants to find a way to win this, they're going to have to score pretty much every single time they touch that ball, which again kind of brings that over into play, even with it rising. And I think that's why you're seeing that big jump as people are respecting a little bit of Cam Ward and the fact that USC has to travel to Washington State for this game. I think it's also going to be a really good measuring stick, like you mentioned, we can see where they're at compared to Oregon. How is the Pac-12? What is the health of the Pac-12? Can USC make a run? I think uh, we're going to get some answers finally. And as we start getting more in the conference play, we're going to see more and more of that, which is exciting. I do think USC finds a way to get it done. And I think I think they find a way to get in control of this game too. I think they're looking a little bit for a bounce back after the, the tough game against Oregon State. So I think they have a little bit of that sour taste in their mouth, and they're still looking for a conference-dominating win. And maybe they get it. Yeah, there'd be nothing better for USC than to come out against a pretty well-respected Washington State team and just put a beat down. But I think that uh, can kind of let us shift um, into another Pac-12 game, and this kind of gets us into some of our Pac-12 after dark. So at 9 o'clock on Pac-12. Number twelve, Oregon going to Arizona. I'll I'll kind of let you take the take the reins with this one though, Mark. Uh, you're we're obviously both fans, but uh, I think you're a little bit more suited to speak on the Ducks so far. 
Yeah, I think uh, Oregon's been an interesting team. I, I like how they've handled adversity. I mean, if you look at them getting kicked in the mouth against Georgia, how they've been able to respond, that's been nice. If you look at the game against Washington State, getting completely shocked, I think, by how good Washington State played them, even though we kind of expected it, or at least I did as a fan. But see them kind of handle that adversity has been really nice. I think this is going to be another game where it's going to be similar to that. I think Arizona is kind of down right now, but when they have the quarterback that they have, who is uh, Delora, I, I think anything's possible. He has experience with running a really close game in, in Oregon. So they almost beat a, a Justin Herbert-led team, which was crazy to think about, and doing really well. He's fifth in total passing yards and 11th in touchdowns. So he can definitely be electric, and I think it's definitely something that we can be worried about, especially when Oregon's defense has been shaky, especially through the air. You know, I think this Oregon team is going to continue to stress me out, especially any time that they play away from Autzen Stadium. This this Arizona team doesn't particularly defend the run well, and Oregon has seemed to be fine letting Bo Nix run, which could bode well for the Ducks. I think that the Oregon secondary should definitely get tested. But also have opportunities, because uh, as you mentioned, Delora is throwing, throwing the hell out of the ball, but he's also thrown 14 touchdowns to six interceptions. You know, he throws a lot but he doesn't 100% protect it, and but he does average 340 in the air per game. So once again, this Oregon secondary should get tested, but should get some opportunities. And I have the over-under at 70 and a half. Are you leaning either way on that? Because that is a lot. This is one that I'll definitely see how the day goes. I mean, if I'm taking it on the shins, then I probably won't, won't take this over, but if, if I'm doing pretty well, then I'll ride with Oregon. If anything, again, I like taking overs, and I know I've said this many times on here. It's fun t- for me to root for offensive football. It's what I like to do. So if I'm going to tune in and I'm going to watch an Oregon game, I want them to try to hit the over by themselves. I want them to score 60. Don't care. 75, whatever. That'd be a great game for me to watch. So if I'm doing well and I don't have to necessarily worry about losing, you know, five bucks or something like that, I may throw that on that just so I have a little bit of skin in the game and something to scream at the TV for. But yeah, it's getting up a little bit too high for me. 70 starts getting me a little bit nervous for, for college games, but we'll, we'll see where we're at. The one thing that I'm excited about is Oregon is kind of molding their offense around whatever they need to do, which I think ultimately is going to be great down the season too. And showing the ability to run the ball when they need to or pass the ball when they need to is, is awesome. I think Stanford wanted to take away the pass, said, all right, we're going to make you guys run the ball. We're going to make Bo Nix be um, safe with the ball and make him run the ball. And he did 140 yards. It was crazy. I mean, he almost ran for more yards than he passed in that game. And to control the game and win by the amount that they did with him doing that, I think shows poise and growth in his career too because normally I feel like he would try to, to be a little bit of the stat guy and throw the ball a little bit more when he needed to. But for him to take what he could get and run the ball when he had to, I think that shows growth by, by Bo Nix. So I'm going to continue to say in this microphone, free the bow. If he throws an interception, who cares? Let the man eat. Free the bow. Let him do what he wants. Take the interception. Take the fumble. Take whatever it's going to take. Just know that we're probably going to get two or three excellent plays on the back end. That's where I'm at right now as an Oregon fan. Because, yeah, uh, I, I couldn't agree more, especially after I heard you first say that in, in the last podcast episode. Let let Bo run. Let Bo do whatever he needs to do. Quit putting the chains on him and holding them back. You know, they did the same thing at Auburn. Just let him, let him go, man. Just let him do whatever he wants to do. So I think it's pretty safe to say we're both on the Ducks? Oh, yeah. 
I would love nothing more than to watch Oregon put up 60. I like it. So are you going to take the over? Uh, I don't know. I might take the same approach you do and see if I'm taking it on the shins or not. 70 is a high for me, but it's Oregon. I like it. Well, let's let's go into a game that has a, a little bit lower over-under, and that's Fresno versus Boise State. Over-under at 48.5, and Boise's actually, I got them at 7 and a hook, so 7.5 favorites. Yeah, and a 73% chance to win, according to FPI. Both of these teams are, I don't think I've paid attention to Boise State since somewhere around 2008. When they were throwing the ball all over the place with like Kellen Moore, uh, yeah. But this this seems like a really fun team. Seems like they just run the ball all over the place, control the clock, and uh, I guess I would expect the exact same thing. Hayner and this Fresno State passing attack has got to be able to show up. Doesn't look like Bachmeyer will beat you, but Boise's got to be frustrating to play against because of that play style. Fresno actually hung with Oregon State at home, but to be honest with you, just to real quick, I'm I'm sticking with Boise State at home. Uh, they look pretty dominant versus San Diego State, and I just think that that play style has got to be so frustrating that you're just not going to get that many chances to beat them. So I I'm I'm going Boise State right out of the gate. Yeah, I like it. I don't know if I agree with you, but I like it. <laughs> I think they're nearly identical on the on the points per game. Fresno State has nearly 100 more yards, though, which I, I find odd. They're able to produce that much more offense per game, but not necessarily turn it into points. So I think that's a little bit nerve-wracking on trying to be on their side. But I think, too, if you start looking at who Fresno played, I mean, I think they have some quality opponents as well. They played Oregon State and USC, and I think that kind of skews some of their numbers. So even though their numbers are very similar, and maybe even Boise State's uh, defensive numbers are looking a little bit better, Fresno playing USC is not easy. I think that's gonna that's gonna definitely put uh, put some skews on that. And then I think Bachmeyer is becoming a liability and, and not uh, not any help for the Boise State team. So I think if Bachmeyer stays in, I mean, he's struggling. He, he hasn't even eclipsed 500 yards yet. We have cats who are sh- who are getting ready to eclipse 1500, maybe even 16, 1700. I mean, he's he's still on the playground in my opinion. So. I just I can't ride with that, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the upset. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Fresno State here, and I just think the quality of teams that they've played bodes a little bit better than Boise State, and I think Boise State's in trouble. I think they're down. I think that's another coach's hot seat that we may be talking about in the not too distant future because that program just seems like they are just nowhere close to what they were in the heydays when Oregon players were punching their players in the face. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm still sticking with Boise State, but if you're listening to this, by all means, understand that I haven't watched either of these teams, and I'm just going off of what I can find, so that is not a confident pick, because I, I too believe that Fresno State has a very real chance of winning this. You know, I, I probably will stay as far away from this game as possible from a betting perspective. I, I don't like either one of these teams, but if you're forcing me to pick, I'm taking Boise State. Why you got to self handicap so much, dude? <laughs> but the uh, and unfortunately, it's kind of the same with our very last game kicking off once again at eleven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, I got Oregon State as a seven point favorite going to Stanford. Uh, Oregon State with a fifty eight percent chance to win. Once again, I have not watched a single Oregon State game. 
and only one Stanford game all year. I still like Stanford, though. I just feel like they're one of those teams that they are just pretty much always at least competitive. I, I think that, uh, you know, Stanford's going to be able to put up a, a decent amount. And Oregon State and Stanford, at least the game should be relatively close. Both teams are coming off some hard games. Their recent schedule has been a little bit of a gauntlet. So I'll be interested to see which team, which coach can keep their team's energy levels up and basically keep them believing. No, that's a great point. I think Oregon State really, really, really needs a bounce back here. I think they need to get relevance back. I mean, this is a team that we were talking about at the start of the season that you know had a chance to win the Pac-12 had a chance to make noise, had a chance. I mean, week two, we were kind of talking about them maybe in a little bit of the national spotlight, and they were getting a lot of love. And I think even with USC going in there, there were some people who were thinking Oregon State was going to pull off an upset, and, and kind of nearly did. I mean, that game was a lot closer than USC fans ever wanted that game to be. So coming off the heartbreaking loss there and then just getting spanked by Utah, I think Oregon State is going to be looking for a get-right game, and I think they find it here. I think Stanford is just not the Stanford we're used to. I think their defense is, is has pretty much the same consistency as Swiss cheese here, especially you know if we're thinking about both aspects. Normally in, in other games we've talked about passing defense struggling or rushing defense struggling. This is one of those rare situations where it's almost more than 210 yards per game on the ground or the air, so... Stanford's really like any way you want it, you can have it. And I think that's just a perfect opportunity for Oregon State to get right here. Hopefully Chance Nolan can find a way to get back on the the right side of the TDINT ratio. Currently sitting at seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. That's not a spot you want to be at. Especially when we've been hating on people who've been throwing six and seven interceptions. To be even worse than that at eight, it's not a spot that he needs to be at. He needs to right the ship. Especially with all the hype around him. You know, starting last year, and then this was going to be another year starting, expecting him to grow and take that next step. And he just seems like he's almost going backwards. So hopefully he can right the ship here, find a bounce back. I like Oregon State here. I like that analysis. And actually, Nolan being flipped there on touchdown to interception is really one of the bigger reasons why I was originally leaning Stanford. Uh, I think I'm going to pull an official RJ and Mark flip. Uh, after some analysis, and I, I was originally on Stanford. Admittedly, it was a, it was a close kind of toss up back and forth for me. But uh, I guess after seeing some of your analysis on Oregon State and, and looking down and realizing that Oregon State's still a seven point favorite, I think I'm going to officially flip to being on Oregon State Beavers. I like it. And then uh, this is another one that I actually will take the spread on too. I feel pretty confident that Oregon State gets right here. I like it. But who knows? I mean, Stanford has found a way to disappoint Oregon teams in the past. I'm sure they could find a way to disappoint Oregon State. And just like most of these games, even though we're picking a lot of favorites with some underdogs, we always still find a way to lose. And honestly, it's the way we want it. I mean, college football needs parity. College football needs winners, losers, underdogs, champions. It all needs to be present here. So Hopefully you guys listen along and can tell us what we got right and wrong. Look at our Twitter for our official picks. Hopefully you can come alongside us. Uh, maybe even tweet some of your picks towards us so we can see how uh, we all do in this upcoming week. Thank you again for listening. Again, this has been One Nerd, One Jock College Football Talk with our awesome guest, Jackson. Thanks again so much for filling in. 
and doing an awesome job and serenading our listeners with your lovely voice and all your college football information. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to the next time. Thanks for having me, guys. So on this special episode and this special week of One Jock, One Guest College Football, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.